0: You're listening to Future Thinking from Stylists, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business
1: at stylists.com.
2: Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylists. I'm your host, Christian Ward, and on this episode, I'll be talking to Alana roazi LaForey, founder of Decrypt Studios a production studio dedicated to bringing artists, designers and thinkers into the metaverse. We discuss the current and future state of the metaverse, how AI is democratising creativity and what brands who want to experiment with these technologies need to know. But first up, I speak with Stylist's Annie Corser, Senior Editor of Pop Culture and Media, and Julia Ehrens, Senior Pop Culture Correspondent, to discuss the key trends and insights that emerged from this year's South by Southwest Festival.
3: So there was this wonderful talk from two people at Reddit, Matt Klein, who's the head of Foresight, and Alison Day, who's the head of social media. And the whole idea was this movement over trends thing. So helping us all develop a healthier relationship with online culture, which is, I think, extremely useful for us to be talking about because it's this sort of zone out about how brands are getting stuck in fleeting trends. And they talked about moving away from trends to what they were calling these modern movements. There's a lot of really useful stuff there about how our relationships with social media have narrowed. So we've gone really meta, it's all about introspection, and this is where we're getting into these micro-trends. They name-checked Core Core, which is this TikTok trend that is literally a trend about trends. It's a core about cores. It's videos that replicate and comment on the experience of consuming viral videos. They're a trip, I check them out. But yeah, these sort of garbage trend cycles means that brands are actually missing the big moments of internet connection, moments that ordinary daily internet users really care about, which conveniently are often happening on Reddit. So, Reddit did a poll and that showed that 30% of respondents said that they found brands that lean into micro trends appealing. Only 30% said they want brands to understand what they truly care about and less than 44% of respondents say they even participate in these micro-trends. So micro-trends can feel fun, but they can't be the entirety of your message. Klein and Day were talking about how you need to have a deeper understanding of the drivers behind the trends. So I was thinking about this in terms of stuff that we've been covering. So the de-influencing trends that we've written about recently, it seems like a sort of a moment on social media. It's about seeking honest product reviews. And this sort of less corporate sycophancy idea but it comes from economic worries it comes from an idea about authenticity and needing more of that so you've got to understand these drivers in order to join the trend in a meaningful way and i think that's why this talk really resonated
1: talking about authentic opinions actually i saw a really great panel called how will tv evolve for the queerest generation yet reflecting on the fact that gen z identifies, I think, over 20% now as LGBTQ and they make up some 40% of the US population. It's just like a great collection of panelists talking about what this means in terms of content creation for these audiences. So for instance, Eneka or Nora, who is the Emmy Award-winning director behind Lizzo's Watch Out for the Big Girls competition show, which ran on Amazon last year, talked a lot about how still too much of queer content we're seeing is really trauma porn, and there's a real need to diversify that kind of cultural positioning and narrative because, as she said, the more authentic we are to each other, the more connected we can be to each other. And then on that same panel also had actor Brian Michael Smith, who actually sort of further Enforce this position by saying that we really need positive queer stories, A, so that queer kids can see a future for themselves and also so that parents can see that future for them and we can just kind of change this narrative of consistent suffering to actually prevent it from happening in the future. And I mean, I wish that wasn't a provocative or thought-provoking statement anymore in 2023, but with the ongoing erosion of LGBTQ rights and queer kids protections, I think that was really the panel that kind of touched me the most for the week.
2: Thinking about what you felt was the key theme for you that emerged over the week, what is it that you would say should be on everyone's radar?
3: I think for me, it has to be AI, which is no surprise, I suppose. But it was there was this sense of this being the sort of deep breath before the plunge. AI is about to change all of our lives, basically. And it was talked of as the next great shift in technology, society, creativity, the same sort of impact as the internet, social media, smartphones, that big. And actually one of the... the busiest sessions was with the president of OpenAI, which is the company that has released ChatGPT and its various situations, as well as Dorley the text-to-image generator. And he was talking about how AI can be this amplification of what humans are capable of. But he also recognized that some people are kind of annoyed that it was just released before anyone was ready for it, before we know how to integrate it into industries and practices. But this president of OpenAI, Greg Brockman, said that this was the plan. they wanted to release it so we could all engage in this sort of shared moment of working out what this might mean for society and what we want it to mean for society. he th- he said that he wants his mission is to make AI a force for boundless good in the world, but he recognized that that needs structure and guidelines. He's actually pro-regulating AI. and also it means that there's going to be this explosion in creative content, and that's going to require new systems of value. He said, as there's more recourse and possibility for creation, how do we sift through all and surface the good creations? And I think that idea of how humans are going to work with AI to sort of exponentially expand what we're capable of and what we can make is really exciting. It's quite scary. There was There was some nervousness about, for sure. But I think most people who went to those sessions walked away thinking about the possibilities rather than the drawbacks.
2: That's interesting, that idea of new ideas of value, because I saw on Twitter this week and I think it's a growing trend. An artist who now applies a filter to his artworks that scrambles AI, adds noise, I think, so the AI can't use it as a reference. So as more and more artists start doing that, where is AI going to get its references from? At the same time, just this week, Runway, which is a AI video editing software, they teased their next-generation text-to-video software, which is basically write what you want to see and it will create a video from it, not just an image, which is absolutely mind-blowing. So, you know, in a couple of years we could be seeing, you know, people making movies just from just from writing prompts.
3: The CEO of BuzzFeed, Jonah Peretti, he used his session to introduce an AI game that a team of BuzzFeed writers had developed using the ChatGPT API. The game was called Under the Influencer and it features this bot called the Clout Queen who will guide you through the steps of becoming a successful online influencer. The Clout Queen is hugely sarcastic. She's sort of almost acerbic. And Pretty said that the aim of this was to replicate the catty tone that characterises so much of internet discourse. The game was live tested during the session by journalist Ben Smith, who actually has written a book with Pretty about the age of discrimination and viral internet media. So it was a stunt in part, it was designed to entertain, it created a really memorable moment in a sea of conference sessions. But it was also a really strong example of how AI can be used to generate this sort of interactive content in a way that's just completely beyond human capability right now. So the BuzzFeed writers, they create prompts, they infer the bot with language and style, but then the AA takes that and can generate a seemingly infinite number of responses for the person playing the game. So I think it's, it impressed me because it was a light-hearted way of demonstrating the exponential power of AI. And it made it one of the most effective examples of how AI will come to enrich and shape our daily experiences with content and with media. So it felt like a micro example of a macro shift.
2: More from Annie and Julia in a moment. Now, my interview with Alana Roazi-Lafouré, founder of Decrypt Studios.
0: We create experiential activations for clients. We did a Metaverse activation in Spatial for GameStop Rise of the Players, a movie which I I believe is still on Hulu right now, around the GameStop Wall Street bets brouhaha a couple of years ago. And that was well received. We had a lot of journalists attend that. And the funny part of all of it was, yes, it was in the Metaverse. It was all avatar-based. People had an avatar. They sat in Lambos on the moon because... That's what you do in crypto. But they also made friends. Because of the way the spatial environment was configured, people were talking to each other and make connections at this movie premiere on the moon in Lambos. So there's something there, right? That, that sparked a whole conversation around culture and what is culture in the lens of Web3. How do we connect culture between the Web2 world and the Web3 worlds? even the Web1 world, right? Because I feel like the art world in many ways and Shelm and everything else, yes, it's digitally focused in some ways, but in other ways, it's very much still traditional formats in terms of business, in terms of creation and, and everything, again, in between. So, studios was burst upon the notion that we help our clients create activations that involve Web3 technologies but at the core of that, it really does speak to the art and the process of creating art, and there's an underlying factor.
2: A lot of people talk about, you know, the, the immersive games like Fortnite and, and Roblox and so right. on being a kind of proto metaverse. And actually, a lot of what people talk about when they talk about the metaverse is essentially gaming. So what? I mean, I'm, I'm sure what you're doing is is the level beyond that. So what is that? What do you do that takes it beyond that level of a kind of? game experience
0: there needs to be some sort of and i'll use the scientific yeah. word just some sort of dopamine hit to join a community like, what is it that you can do in this community obviously gaming is super easy right you're going you're playing a game with your 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 guilds your friends by yourself whatever it is but there is a task at hand when you enter into that environment you know what you need to do and you have a job to do And so I think what everyone in our space is is figuring out right now is what is the job that you do when you enter into a metaverse? And at the end of the day, I mean, human life and human nature is gamified. So the term gaming, while we think about it from like a very specific, at least in, I guess, the journalism space, very specific topic, I mean, everything is gamified, right? So I think finding that purpose when you enter into these virtual worlds, what is your purpose? What is the job? Why am I here? What does it make sense for a human being to be in this virtual world? Why would they stay if it's not gaming? That's what we're doing right now in the marketplace. I I I believe anyway.
2: And do you have any sort of inkling of what that is? What is it that stops these things being a kind of one-off experience that's quite fun to do but keeps people people coming back?
0: Well, I think I think tactically, how do you find things in the metaverse? What does it look like to go out and and find let's say gucci or chanel or target where do you go and so i think there needs to be a way and this is happening the brands are starting to give direction on where to find them and where they build their experiences but that needs to be sticky you know in my mind they have to build it in one place have it be extant have it be sticky so people can go and visit it every day if they want to not just do a pop-up for a week and then have it disappear or have it change like it needs to be a destination spot that's number one and then again tactically there's there's two camps there's the, the the folks who just like ar which is not immersive reality then there's the folks who like the immersive piece and so i think that also is a question like what will win out does it matter and i think if you solve the destination question at least you'll have a better shot of determining which which is better
2: We've talked a little bit about entertainment brands. Who else are you working with or who who else do you feel like you will be working with in terms of there will be eventually an obvious kind of purpose for them within the metaverse?
0: Definitely real estate. The real estate market is very much thinking about ways to create virtual buildings, even like adjacent buildings. So if you build a physical building and you have a metaverse tied to that building and you can go and socialize with your neighbors in the metaverse as well as physically in your building, right? Like Go see apartment six scene and, and have a conversation and have an avatar versus just seeing them in the hallway. That definitely is being discussed. Tokenizing and fractionalizing real estate in the context of the metaverse. Absolutely a, a conversation that's being had. Right. So, and then there's the luxury brands who are very much thinking about ways to deepen their relationship with their consumers in the metaverse. I mean, metaverse fashion week is happening. So there's certainly ways to think about fashion. Retail ways to communicate with with customers, delight them in a new way. I mean all the luxury brands either accept crypto as payment in their stores, have a presence at least in the metaverse, and many of them are showing this week.
2: so the kind of elephant in the room is is this kind of crypto element to all of this and and how volatile that is. What are your thoughts on that
0: Yeah, so if I steer clear of the volatility conversation. Here's the way I think about it. I've been around for a very long time in crypto. I mean, I did an ICO in 2017. I, did, I ran the gamut, right? I've watched the market go through so many different iterations. I do think what's really interesting about crypto is the notion of rewards tokens, utility tokens, digital collectibles, art, and all things in between. You know, at Decrypt, we have a Decrypt University, and we give out NFTs for finishing courses. Right now we have a tax course, which is very timely, at least in the U.S. When taxes are due, people can go in and and finish the tax course and get an NFT. And I feel like people's wallets are very much going to be indicative of their personalities, especially the NFTs they hold. And it becomes more like a badge of honor to hold specific NFTs versus speculating on the market. But the volatility of, of Ethereum versus Bitcoin versus whatever altcoin there is out there, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? If you hold Ethereum, you hold Bitcoin, great. You know it's going to be going up and down. The market's still new. It's like, a you know, birthing a star. So what can we do to build something beautiful, something interesting in the culture space? That's what I'm interested in. I'm fascinated with creating environments and creating experiences for humans to interact, which is where AI also comes in, by the way. I mean, obviously, it's the year of AI. Everyone's talking about it. But, you know, with things like Mid Journey and ChatGPT, we're creating a whole new worlds. That's what I'm interested in. The volatility of a token, not so much. Like, that that's a given.
2: This combination of AI tools and metaverse distribution and metaverse consumption, it just seems very, very exciting. I mean, I, you can kind of feel like there is a potential future where artistic, production that would have been out of the bounds of most people is going to be completely democratized.
0: Absolutely. Thinking about generating content, generating art through AI, writing scripts. I mean, the Writers Guild here in LA just approved using AI for script writing, right? It's like, okay, cool. We work with centralized pictures which was founded by Roman Coppola, who's Francis Ford Coppola's son from American Zoetrope, Mike Masante and, and Leo Matchett. And they're working to democratize filmmaking. And they just funded, a, a year ago almost now, a film called *Caladita*, And that film, through the platform, just won an award from Steven Soderbergh, $100,000 for finishing funds to finish the film. And Steven himself gave it to Miguel, the director, at Sundance. You know, so from a year ago, you have Miguel working on a movie. Fast forward a year, and he's talking to Steven Soderbergh, and he's getting funding, and he's on his way. You know, that's not usually how Hollywood works. That is not at all how Hollywood works, right? So, like, our community across the board is touching different cultural walks of life in a way that is very different than even five years ago
2: our listeners if they're thinking about the metaverse they're probably getting slightly cautious about it now because the hype has died down there's a certain amount of pushback in the media and so on and so forth so what would you say to them in terms of why and obviously it's not right for every brand but you know the brands who are thinking about this what would you say to them in terms of what the benefits are what the opportunities are in your in your mind
0: i think that they should think about it as just another experiential activation and the metaverse, I, I feel like that, that term is, is, is very much a catch-all for many different things. I think that they should explore both virtual, immersive experiences, which I think is how we're defining metaverse right now, at least in the larger space, but also augmented reality and also just generative art, generating NFTs, rendering through chat GPT and MidJourney. Looking at all the tools that are available to them on the on the art side and challenging their agency, you know if the retail the retail clients usually have an agency attached that helps them think about their marketing and think about their overall strategy, and their agency needs to help them think about these things in partnership as well as their internal team. I know many of the luxury folks have Beautiful art departments and extremely intelligent internal teams working on these things. If you don't have an a person internally that understands this, go get one. It's really <laughs> important because if you don't have the the expertise, how are you going to move forward into the future? So I think right now it's baby steps. It's partnering with your experts. It's building your internal knowledge base. It's talking to your agency for talking about marketing and thinking about how you want to evolve your business into the next generation because it's moving so fast right now a year ago we would not be talking about ai writing scripts or ai writing articles or any of that and guess what this week that's all everyone's talking about so more to come
2: before we return to my chat with annie and julia from stylus a quick word about a new video series we've launched the business of pop culture this is a weekly show where Julia and I explore the intersection of entertainment, media, online culture, and consumer engagement. In each episode, we take a deep dive into a key pop culture trend, put it in a wider cultural context, examine the consumer drivers catalyzing it, and discuss the implications for current and future brand engagement. You can watch the first three episodes right now on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Now, back to Annie and Julia. Julia, what about you? What was the key theme for you?
1: Yeah, I think the overarching, most interesting theme this year was what multiple people refer to as Web 2.5. So after last year's frenzy on the metaverse and Web 3, I mean, you were there. You couldn't step for somebody throwing a QR code with an NFT drop at you. This year, I think with what we've seen in the crypto market collapses last year and the impending Fears of recession. We're seeing some sort of productive sobering of these strategies. So rather than having these sweeping future visions of the metaverse, I think brands and entertainment companies are turning towards tangible strategies and opportunities for audience engagement that are possible right now. So we actually had a huge refocusing on the gaming sector, for instance, which is really where the proto metaverse engagement spaces are coming from. And this sort of is also exemplified by what you're at least currently seeing as a potential slowdown of peak TV and streaming platforms being much more conservative with their budgets and they're scaling back on what they're keeping on platform. So people are really just sort of managing their own ambitions and expectations. But I think in a sense, it feels really productive and leads to very tangible projects. And of course, with union votes potentially coming up in Hollywood in May, (laughs) we might be looking at another writer's strike. And if that happens, we're going to see... A huge explosion in sort of really compelling content innovations out of current online communities, which is exactly what we saw 15 years ago out of YouTube because professionals had time on their hands and amateur creators had bigger audiences because there was no professional content running out of Hollywood. And that then will just boost consumer co-creation, which really fed into these same Web 2.5 conversations, especially in gaming spaces like entertainment brands were looking into existing co-creative communities to see what they can actually generate together and what happens when you take a cinematic or a storytelling universe and you're not trying to do it end-to-end in-house and build your own fixed timeline Marvel universe, but rather just almost providing prompts or like a thematic playground for your community to then iterate and play with and kick that idea back and forth. So I think within this reconsolidation of resources. We're going to see some really interesting collaborative projects come to be from professional brands and their audiences.
2: That's it for this edition of Future Thinking. I hope you enjoyed it and I'd love to hear your feedback. On Twitter, we're at stylus underscore live and I'm at Christian Ward. And on Instagram, you can find us at we are stylus. See you next time. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at Stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.